welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Fearon, co-author with Peter Vale of the digital book on practice as a way of being. Find it at mylibrary.world. And now to our show. Well, this conversation is a happy moment in a teacher's life. I taught Neil Giuliano's brother, John, quite a while ago. And off and on through our acquaintanceship, John and I would talk about his younger brother, who is a filmmaker. And I thought, now there's a practice that I haven't... uh, brought into this podcast series, and lo and behold, thanks to John making this arrangement, you'll be hearing a conversation with Cornelius Uliano, also known as Neil, uh, about his unbelievably, really touching career as a writer and producer of Peanuts various peanuts films feature length as well as for apple plus uh, and other ventures all with heart all with care all with remarkable humility (laughs) that i uh, i appreciate as someone who wants to learn and i sure learned a lot with this conversation and i'm looking forward to going back and get some more Right now, sit back, think of your favorite Peanuts cartoon (laughs) or character, and here's the person who brought them back to life on the screen for uh, all of us to keep this wonderful tradition going. Neil Juliano. This is a a great moment for the old professor. (laughs) John Uliano uh, has appeared on this podcast a couple of times, and I love to put a big red golden circle around John as one of my truly favorite students. But then I discovered that he wasn't an only child. <laughs> he never mentioned that he had a great younger brother. Oh, he did. He told me a lot about his younger brother, Cornelius, or Neil Uliano, and... Uh, I just had to have this conversation with you, with you, Neil, because uh, I know that John goes out on the shop floor, can look around, see all these machines buzzing and squeaking and rolling, and he can instantly pick out something uh, that it's not necessarily that it's going wrong, but pick out something where he can offer a lesson to whoever the workforce is at that moment and saying, May I suggest? So he's got an eye for all things systemic. Uh, Yet you are a very creative person, uh, or maybe you have an eye for systemic in the film world. So what about your eye? Let's start with that. Yeah, I mean, I started, um, you know, from a very young age, basically, loving film and um you know i think what it did is it made me really feel something uh it evoked an emotion inside me and then i realized 
that's what a filmmaker does. That's what a storyteller does. They're there to move you. Um, and so my, it, it really being creative and, and wanting to be a filmmaker just started from that very simple idea of being moved by cinema and by storytelling. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, you really start picking up a camera and saying to yourself, well, I want to, let me give my sh a shot at this yeah. where you really start to learn, uh, the craft and, uh, you know, from being a, a young filmmaker, you, you make things and you fail at them over and over again. Uh, and that's how you learn. Um, and just over the years up until now, yeah, I mean, working, um, in the business for as long as I have, and, you know, I, I've certainly now picked up on a lot of things that, um, you just, you just develop a, an eye and you develop a sense of, of that craft. And, um, so when you watch a, a movie or you read a screenplay or this and that, you can, you just see certain things and, and yeah, you develop that sort of eye for that. I, I think, uh, I, but yeah, I mean, so when I, when I was, I remember, I mean, it was like 1998 or 19, yeah, 1998, I was in uh, eighth grade and Saving Private Ryan came out and I was, you oh, know, yeah. I wasn't old enough to be able to go in there. Uh, but I was with my friend and we went to the movie. I wanted to see it. And, uh, you know, we bought a ticket for whatever movie I could go in to see that. That's not R rated. And, I uh, ran uh, around to the other theater. Did. Uh, <laughs> when I got into that, when I got into that theater though, you know, and I was just an eighth grader, but I was, I walked in, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of, it's just me and my eighth grade friend. And then all these older people in there. And I was mm -hmm. like a lot of like older men in there. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, interesting. And then I watched that movie and it had a prof. Pro then lights came up and all these older men were crying. Yeah. Very emotional. Yeah. I just sat in my seat with this feeling of, wow, um, yeah. the power that a story can have on, on somebody. Yeah. That really ignited everything from there. I mean, I, I had an interest in being a filmmaker, but that was what that, that day was, is what made me sort of really, um, want to be a filmmaker and a storyteller i'll never boy, I, boy am i am i glad you went around and snuck into that theater <laughs> given yeah, all that's too. happened to you since well there, there would have been another uh moment of that sort but i can get it i mean and i i i really get that you're while you want to be a filmmaker and a storyteller what you really want is to t is that close connection with us humans that feeling happy, sad, you know, all of that. And I think that's why most of us go to the movies or watch something on television. Now we want to, um, we want to feel differently than we did before we sat in the, in the seat. And Absolutely. And I think too, or, you know, you're trying to, when you're making something, have someone be able to watch it and just kind of reflect on their own, life for their own experience and not so much in your face all the time, but you just be able to sit there and have that emotional experience, but also, you know, relate to the audience in some, in some fashion, whether it's through your character or something they experience and, and that you're always kind of thinking about, about that stuff. Um, I mean, certainly I, I've worked, I'll, I'll, I do a lot of work in peanuts, you know, which is created by Charles Schultz. And that comic strip is the ultimate of reflecting on life and thoughts and what we go through in life and, um, you know, 
through what happens to Charlie Brown and, or Snoopy's imagination or all these things. I mean, so it's, it's, um, I I've had the honor to play in that playground of wonderful characters that he created, um, that I just have a very small part of, but, but it's, um, again, you know, even peanuts or things that I work on on my own that aren't peanuts related. That's just what you're trying to, you know, you want people to be able to watch something and reflect a little bit back on, on themselves. Yeah. In their own life. We sure have had, the peanuts characters in, in in our lives it uh mostly my children who are in their 50s that's when uh it was more prominent but um i can i can remember being influenced by cartoon characters in the 40s when i was the same age as your your children or a little older uh they have um something it's something about what we call a cartoon but it should be a a more substantial word for that. Uh, but when they are up there, it's, it's like everything else goes away and they grab yeah. you and your eyes are on them, the color and the, the motion and obviously the story. But the coolest thing uh, is, in, in, except for the case of you're getting the feature for Peanuts, they're short. Mm-hmm. And so they've got to pack so much yeah. in that's got to be one of your biggest challenges in design uh, to get uh, enough. Now look at the, the Schultz panels. How many, what? One, two, three, four. four. Panels. Yep. That's it. And he gets a whole message out. So you had to kind of channel that into the work you and. and uh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's really, it, and it's always, you know, the, the first three panels are the setup and the fourth panel is the punch or the punchline. And, and we, you know, typically you're kind of using that format, even in, on a scene by scene basis, your mm-hmm. every scene is a sort of its own mini uh, movie in a sense. There's a beginning, middle, and an end. So we're always trying to think of a scene as, as a four panel. You know, how are we going to? And you end it on a, a oh, punch. That's cool. I hadn't thought of that, but that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And yeah, of course, you know, it's like, and certainly the, the the small, you know, you have a little bit more space to work in with um, like a feature, which we you for feature animated films, at least for our peanuts work you're trying to stick between like 80 and 90 minutes um but mm. we, we did these peanuts specials we've been doing these specials for apple tv plus and you usually have to yeah you have to have them within like 35 minutes so it's much shorter so again you're yeah it's a little more challenging um you're just having to design your stories you know in a much shorter fashion and uh but yeah it's kind of like based on um what the project is and the length of time is, yeah, you're always just trying to find uh, the most efficient way to tell a story in that amount of time. And, and that's what, that's what screenwriting is. It's, it's efficiency. It's coming in at the absolute latest you can come into something, um, whether it's, it's within the story and then getting out before you're, you know, you're there too long and just trying to continually make it efficient, um, which is the, could be a challenging thing at times. Now you're just like your brother. Yeah, there you go. He's been he's been engaged in the quality movement for a lot of years, and he looks to do exactly the same sort of thing when it comes to turning a product, uh, get it done right, but also um, channeling the the caring of his employees into the product, whatever they're making, 
which is not an easy thing, but John seems to pull that off. So I, I think you guys are very close on that, on that attention to understand you cannot pack too much in and, and serve your custom. Totally. I think that's, that's fine. I never really thought of it that. Yeah. yeah. Larry to what my brother does and what I, it's funny. I never thought of it that way, but it really is. I mean, I, you can really look at, you know, starting from when you're developing a movie or in development, right? So you're, it's constantly, whether it's an outline or writing, um, you're, you're doing that with the screenplay, you know, you're, how can you're picking out the sections that aren't working well? How do we make these sections? How, how can you tell the story more efficiently in a quicker amount of time in a better way? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then, you know, of course, going into uh, with like animated films, for example, we get the opportunity to um, you move from the script phase and you go into storyboarding. Right? We, what we do is we actually storyboard the entire movie. That's incredible. We draw the whole movie um, all 90 minutes, uh, you know, and you get to watch the whole movie in a drawing. Uh, these wonderful artists come in and they uh they make these storyboards out of the scenes and they, we have an editor put them together. When we put the music in, we put everything and we cast, you know, we do the voices and everything. So you're watching, you're getting to watch the movie because the animation is expensive. So you got to make sure. Oh, I can imagine you do not want in, a lot of scrap on that floor. Well, you can't, once you go in and start animating, you really can't go back. It's not like you can, in a, in a live action movie, you can go do reshoots and this and that. Uh, you can't really do that with the animation. So yeah, basically, um, again, you go into that phase and it's the same thing. You're putting the movie up on the screen and you're all sitting there going, OK, here are the issues we're seeing as we watch it in the storyboard phase. Um, yeah. This isn't working well. This, you know, We can do this better. And then you're, you, you go in and you fix it and you put it up again. And you, you again, you do all that work ahead of time. So when you go into animate it, you're you kind of know yeah. what you have. Yeah, no, no, that's an, another quick analogy to the best design work yeah. in product development. You, you, you definitely want to get so much of it um, worked out before you, um, you know, hit the hit the on switch. And uh, w- while you're doing that, with all these different people involved, must be sometimes fifty, six, I don't know, maybe hundreds of people in different roles. Uh, are you the person who kind of keeps all of that hole in your head so you can, as it's going forward, you kind of know where it's going to be off the storyboard, but in you, in your head, uh, from soup to nuts, as we used to say in Maine? Yeah, certainly. I mean, ultimately, the role of the director is to certainly guide that ship, and he is, you know, he's steering the ship and, and overseeing all the departments. But certainly from a, from our on these projects as writers and executive producers we're involved right. from the very beginning all the way to the end so yes yeah. we yeah it, it's very um again from the very simple idea all the way till it comes out on the screen we're involved throughout the whole process and that 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 goes with you know how it's going to look tonally um y- you know how we want the animation to hopefully look um story every aspect we're 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 sort of involved in from start to finish so and yes we have you know inside when you're when you're writing something on the page you know you have you you see it in your head like a movie so you see the movie yeah. before you finish and so yeah when we're going into this we have a good idea of, of what we want it to be and that's and that's why we 
work as, as executive producers, for instance, for we're doing another another Peanuts feature, and we knew based on you know we knew right away we wanted to bring on our director Steve Martino from our our last movie and have him steer the ship again. And you're make you're you're making decisions from the from the get go on how you want want certain things to be, um, and then of course as it becomes more real and more people start to come come onto the project, you know it takes on its a life of its own. And then of course Steve then guides the ship from there and and then we're you're just constantly kind of reviewing and working with him uh, throughout the course of the project to just kind of guide it and 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 be there in a, in a supportive fashion to make sure the movie comes out the way you you want it to yeah but you know all those words that you started with uh on paper you know or in your computer and started work in a way those are you're you're seeing them come into life animation and uh, you're seeing other people saying oh this phrase i don't know about this phrase i never i don't think this character would say it that way that was a, that was your phrase <laughs> don't you want to yes. like dive in and say no no you yes, can't yes i mean that's what, that's one thing that certainly <laughs> i will i will i will say um, it's my baby <laughs> yeah yeah it could be tough i mean well, there's two different. Okay, well, I'll tell you one thing for for working on the peanut stuff. I mean, we we really the thing is about that is the way Schultz uh, created the comic strip and how he had them speak is very particular. They they speak like adults. They mm -hmm. cadence into how they talk, even going into back into the old um, the Christmas special. You know, it's mm -hmm. like that's how that's kind of the. The comic strip is what we really stick to in terms of how we want everything to be. But of course, how they were animated and how they speak, the classic is, of course, the Christmas Christmas special. It's something yeah. that we kind of try to emulate. Um, and one little word that comes out of the line, one little phrase, it really doesn't sound like peanuts anymore. So wow, you see, when things, there you when go. things start to get changed, and it does happen, it can start to not sound quite right. And then we try our best to like, we try to our best to come in and fix that as much as we can. Right. Things start to get changed, and we have a constant eye over all of that to make sure it's something that he would be, who would have been proud of. Yeah, uh, and that's just that it sounds right and feels right to the brand. So we're constantly, but like, so that's that's how we approach that kind of stuff on an animated film, like like Peanuts. But I will tell you, there's another movie I did that I wrote. It's a live action film. And we, I think we, we shot it a couple of years ago. It hasn't come out yet. Um, and that star, that's the, it's like the first live action movie that of mine that got produced. And it has um, a Mel Gibson, it has Lorraine Bracco from The Sopranos and Goodfellas Academy Award nominee. Um, and no, that was their high caliber uh, actors. And that, that was my first experience of learning like, okay, <laughs> with them and saying, you know, like, you know, he wouldn't, this, you, you come in on the day to shoot and Mel or what have you will say like, okay, I don't, he wouldn't, I don't think this guy would say that. I don't think he would do this. Um, or I, you know, I think he would do this, this or this. And it, and it's usually very good, you know, good points and you learn a lot and it's about working with these right. actors to really, you know, collaborate and say, you know, okay, this is the best way to go forward or, you know, this, this, this makes sense. This might not make sense. And you just kind of, mm. but that, that's part of the process. And, um, wow. 
it's um, you have to constantly be changing things on the fly while cameras are ready to roll and you're yeah. constantly and and the money is <laughs> money's burning. Money. <laughs> sure, that's that's where the money starts for live action. When you're on set, the money is burning. It just kind of gave me a lot of experience in terms of like dealing with questions that arise or you know, from from very big Academy Award winning uh wow. actors. And so it, it gave me a lot of good experience, but um it's part of the job. It's just you know, this stuff happens all the time and you just gotta, you know, well, I think Mel told me, he said specifically to me once, he's like, look, you know, you write this stuff, I have to say it. So I, I sometimes, I, it has to be said a certain way. And that's, that's how it is, you know, <laughs> I mean, so um, they kind of always put their little flavor into it. And well, that's good. That's, that's their, their craft too and it's an interesting uh, way of uh, how important collaboration really is do you have uh the, can you give us the name of the movie so we can look forward to it yeah this movie is called boys of summer um the title may may not be changed but it's uh the story is about um it's it's a little bit different than the stuff we did uh with like a lot of the animation so the this story is it's about a witch that retires on martha's vineyard ah uh, so that you know witches you know they live in the woods and they have to take kids and move from town to town well martha's vineyard every summer the kids come to her uh so one of the boys who lives on the island something strange happens to his friend and he realizes something's not right and he recruits a retired detective who lives on the island and um they work together to solve what's happening. And wow. uh, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, so the the boy in it is uh, played uh, by Mason Thames. He's uh, a rising actor. He was uh, the lead role in the movie, The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. That got oh, a yeah. Lot of yeah. He's, they're making another one that just got announced, a part two. Uh, he just got cast as um, they're making a live action, how to train your dragon. And he got cast as the main boy in that hiccup. hiccup. Uh, and he's, uh, yeah, like I said, he's a trajectory to the moon. He's very, very talented. Um, so we were lucky to get him and yeah, they're detectives played by Mel Gibson. And, uh, we have Lorraine Bracco, like I said, and she was a witch. Uh, she is, uh, you know, we have to watch. I don't want to give it away. No, yeah. no. Uh, uh, Maybe she is. Maybe she isn't. Maybe so, she uh, isn't. Maybe she is. Yeah, um, but yeah. So and then yeah, it's it's a good. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's some other people and I came and mentioned, but there's uh, yeah, right. good, good little cast uh, of people, and um, it was a fun little thing to make. You know, we um, we wrote it. It was probably a much more expensive movie, the, the one that we wrote. Uh, but then they kind of made it independently for a little bit for a lower budget, and but yeah. it. Yeah, it was a fun time making that. Did you get to be out on Martha's Vineyard while you were producing it? <laughs> well, we uh, we had for cost uh, savings and stuff. We ended up it was shot in North Carolina, but uh, <laughs> how things work, right? Because you get like tax incentives and this and that. Well, but I, yeah. yes, I was out there. I was out there while we shot it and stuff. It was it was a yeah. good time. So. What's uh, what's coming up for you now, Neil? Uh, well, right now we're, we've, we finished these series of, uh, peanut specials, uh, for Apple TV plus. So we have a, a new special, um, called welcome home, Franklin, 
that comes out on February 16th on Apple TV plus. Um, and we have, I actually just realized they haven't, the next one will probably after that will come out this year. It hasn't been announced yet. I just realized that. Um, so we have two more specials that are coming out and, um, we have, we're working on our, our new peanuts feature, which got announced by Apple as well as with Apple TV plus. Um, and we are now working on, there's a, a few new things we're working on that I, I unfortunately can't even talk about no, no. A, a few new scripts. Uh, and one of them is with a really, yeah, a potentially a huge, um, a huge producer actor. That would be amazing if it, if it worked out. Uh, so we, we, you know, we have a lot, always have a, a lot of irons in the fire. The thing with thing with writing is you really have to, uh, if you write something and just sit around waiting on this one thing, I mean, you get no. Hollywood moves very slowly. So you're always, the goal is to always create and always have different things kind of going in the pipeline. And that's just, yeah. You know, it's what not only helps you as a, as a writer to constantly be working and writing. Yeah. Have your mind. It's like an exercise. It's like exercising really um, yeah, exactly. constantly do it every day. And it just helps your exercise that muscle in you. Uh, and then, it, and then, and then it also helps you, focus creative energy in different places where if one thing you're working on is like this, the other thing you can work on is something different and it helps you just kind of not be doing the same thing all the time. And then, um, so yeah, it's just, we're constantly doing that, you know? Well, I'm, I'm watching the clock here because as you would, because you know exactly how, how demanding the clock is in your world. <laughs> it's down to the, to the millisecond of, of timing. Uh, and I've loved this a lot. And what I'm, I, I'm curious about, because I study practice. I study something that gets a hold of you. And no, actually, you give it a hold of you. And you want to do it like you did from the time you're in the eighth grade indefinitely. Absolutely. Uh, fortunately for you, it's it's making you a nice way to uh, have a family and, and have a nice lifestyle. Uh, how does this constant effort that you have to make and all the time you put in jibe with having a family, having uh, uh, twins now who are yeah. one and a daughter and a, and a yeah, one-year-old one? twins and a three-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So they want, they want a piece of you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do, do they yeah. like get to wander into your office whenever they feel like it? How does that work? Yeah, basically. So, and it's been since having my children, it's certainly, it's been certainly yeah. tougher. It just is. Yes. Uh, and basically it's been balancing that sort of, I, I just, we just kind of figure it out. Like, like you know, I, I, I typically, a lot of my work is, you know, sometimes is when we're like, for instance, shooting the movie is I had to go, I had to be gone for a month and a half, you know, this and that. And so I, mm. I, you know, and then with the peanut stuff, it's a lot of like Zoom meetings or traveling up to Santa Rosa for meetings and stuff like that. And of course, doing the actual work of the writing, which can be yeah. certainly uh, many hours. So it's been just figuring out that balance and maybe switching my writing hours and around where the kids are sleeping, you know, and uh, just kind of moving <laughs> things around really. I mean, fortunately, I get to kind of schedule 
my meetings and have them be when I want them to be, which is fortunate. So I kind of like just kind of, we get the schedule for the week and I just move things around and make sure we can, um, you know, take, pick, you know, drop my son off, pick him up from preschool or, you know, be there with the girls. And, and really it's just been finding the balance and, and like that, it, but it has been difficult and it can be challenging sometimes. And, you know, there's, there's certainly days where, um, you know, you should be writing and you can't. And, but, you know, the thing is family is always most important and that's how, you know, I was raised and that's how I, even with my writing partner, Brian, he's has the same sensibilities where family always comes before work. So, you know, it makes it easier having that mindset. I, you know, it's like, I care deeply about my writing and my career, but that will never come before my family or my kids. And so I just basically put them first and take all my schedule and just move it around them and figure it out. That's just how I've been dealing with it. Uh, you know, right. and, and yeah, you know, certainly you'll be in, my son will find my, his way in here. Even if I'm on a zoom call, sometimes it's, <laughs> and you just laugh. And Yeah. I mean, I'm also fortunate to work, and all the projects I work on, I'm, I have really great people I work with. Uh, I mean, yeah. all these films I've, I've been working on, everyone on the projects are family oriented. They have kids of their own. They or they've been there and they it's I, I work with a great group of people on every single project I'm doing. And so that makes things easier, too, where they understand. And there's no like, you know, sharky Hollywood people that we work with, you know, thing, no you know they exist, but I don't deal with that. So yeah. I, it's just been... Here's my theory since I'm a, you know, retired professor, but I still have theories. Here's my theory about your writing because family is first, because you are committed to giving a balance of life for your wife and kids and your others all the way out here to Connecticut. It shows up in not only the stories you tell, but how you tell them. And it shows up in your eye, back to the original point. You're looking at the work as it's unfolding. And even the the movie with on Martha's Vineyard kind of movie, you're still looking at it from the standpoint of, uh, is this something that is me? Is this, is this uh, Cornelius... Juliano, uh, and if it doesn't feel right and it doesn't look right, believe me, those of us who want to watch your work going forward, we're going to let you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It really does. It really, we like a family guy, the, yeah. the good one. <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, it really does. When you really analyze the stuff that we write about and the things we like to write about, it really does come from that. It comes from your own your own life and your own experiences and wants. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that, that's what makes writing very personal and very um, specific to the person who's writing it. Yes. You know, that, that's, and then we had this whole, I was just on strike for like seven months last oh, year. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I can show you my little horn while I'm sitting here. <laughs> I always uh, have this here now just to like, you know, you go up and. Oh, hold. there it is. Writers okay. Guild of America on strike. And yes. That strike had a lot to do with uh, artificial intelligence. And um, yeah. And it's a lot of writers. It is our, it's a big fight for us because we all know writing is not 
it cannot ever be replaced by artificial intelligence. It's Amen. Amen. Absolutely comes from your heart and your soul and your experiences and which are unique to everybody. And that's will will never be replaced. And we will never let it be replaced. Good. So otherwise I'll grab one of those signs and I'll be out there the next time. All are welcome. And all all were welcome when we were out there. A lot of people were that was part of the fun was seeing people coming out and supporting even though they weren't even a part of our guild or our union. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's 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 funny you say that. It is all my the, our sensibilities and the things that we, they, they flow into our work hundred percent, which, yeah. which, I, which is- I, I can say uh, that I still am in touch with uh, the faculty world and particularly in the uh, organization studies world. And uh, there have been more and more uh, conversations and items proposed for conferences where they say, uh, artificial intelligence is coming beware now uh, there are also they say these are tools you know they you can use them to enhance the student's experience but here's the old-fashioned professor in me saying to you the old-fashioned writer it's almost all heart and soul to teach the way i taught for 50 years oh yeah <laughs> the the material is like sure. ephemeral. Make a great teacher as it would make a good it is it's the same yeah. thing you have to take the huge risk of putting it all out there as you're creating a moment as i would for my classes or what however and and the idea that now software writers can come in and make a pretend teacher which yeah. would be very good for the budget for the university. They say, "Great, give us a hundred of those." We That's why the studios all the messy people, you know, like the studios did. But uh, my hope in in prayer is that in your world now that the writers are back, we will know that it's written by an actual human being, and yeah. hopefully, when people come into the classrooms, as long as I can be yakking at my colleagues. Let them know you're human first thing, <laughs> even if you're online, isn't you know, yeah. because it, it's a very different world once this all, all kicks in. So thank you guys for the strike. Uh it, it taught us civilians a lesson and made us think hard about it. So um Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it was I mean, certainly it was a it was a rough it's it's a long time to be on strike and it was very, you know, when you have like young kids and and this and that, it was, it was, it was difficult, but it's, uh, you know, very worth it. And, you know, in the end we won and, um, we'll continue to, to build upon that every, hopefully it doesn't not a strike every three years, but we just no. continue to build on, you know, those negotiations and the the progress we've made. So, yeah, there's a lot of mutual learning there. I'm sure the, yeah, the, the people with the money bags learned a lot and, and they may be hopefully more mindful now of how much we, the audience, or the student, or you you name it, or the product recipient from John's world, we mm. all want something that was made with care. Absolutely. And even love. For sure. And you know, you can tell a product that is made like that and a product that is not made like that. So you I can. think, you know, that's what we strive for too. So thank you so much, uh, Neil uh, Iuliano. It's a, uh, now I, I can brag even more 
about the Liano boys. <laughs> also, one thing about my, my brother, uh, I, I would not have any, my whole career would not have happened if it wasn't for my brother because I was, you know, I grew up in Newington, Connecticut, and we have a very big, we have, I'm one of five. We're, we're, so we have big family, big, big family. And even my extended family is a very big family. And so I left to come to California when I was 17. So I graduated and just went out by myself to film school. Um, but it, I think with like within a few weeks, I was so homesick. It was so bad and I had no one out there. I almost came home because I just, I was like, this is probably, I don't know if I made the right decision, this and that. But my brother is the one who told me on the, I remember where I was and everything when I had this conversation, but he said, you're not coming home. Give it this amount of time. And then if you want to at that time, you know, but, but you're not coming home before then. <laughs> I said, okay. And then by that time came, I was fine. It was just sort yeah. of like, but I, if I had just come home, you know, I don't know that I, you know, I don't think I would have pursued. I don't think anything would have happened. I can't imagine you could have had that. Uh, yeah. I have so I to point out to folks that John Oliano, his older brother, was a champion wrestler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't mess with him if 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 I were 17 and I knew my brother no. could put me on the floor and turn me into a pretzel. He had a, he had a, a move named after him at our high school. That's how good he was. And But here's another funny story about my brother. So, I'm represented, I have, you know, agents, lawyer, this and that, um, but my manager is probably one of the best managers in the business. And he's actually a, a partner now at Anonymous Content, which is probably one of the best management companies in Hollywood. But before I became, before he became my manager, I was in a meeting, a random meeting um, for another project. And I just, I kept looking at this guy across the room, like, I know this guy from somewhere. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't piece it together. And then I was leaving the meeting and this guy, he's like, Hey, is your brother, John? And, I, and this is like a Hollywood meeting. Yeah. You're 3000 miles from Newington. I was like, Oh yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, I, uh, I was a wrestler at uh Newington high school. Your brother was, you know, a bit ahead of me, but you know, we, he's a great wrestler and this and that. And he knew all these mutual and man, I was like, wow. And then I'm like, I know that's how I know you. I, you were a few years ahead of me and I wrestled a little bit. So and he's like, yeah, of course. And then now he's my manager and it's oh, very wow, small. That's fantastic. Yeah. And um, small world, but my, another funny story. <laughs> it's a wonderful about. world. It's a great yeah. world, Neil. And uh, uh, I will certainly let you know when, when, when this comes out, it, it probably will come out before your film <laughs> with Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know there certainly will, but this has been a terrific time. Thank you so much again. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. If you'd like to hear more, go to Automatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. And please consider purchasing our book on practice as a way of being at mylibrary.world. It's a digital book with lots of features that you do not see in a conventional book. So once again, 
Thank you, and I look forward to listening again. Oh, and one more thing. Please check out our webpage at inactionresearch.info.